0: This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are talking Hillbilly Elegy, and
1: we're coming right through to Appalachia Town. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is, <sighs> this is Abe. Hey. Aaron, how are you? I, I'm doing well now at our second attempt at putting this today's <laughs> podcast together.
0: Wait, are you telling me that I was like the McAllishers and I slept in?
1: Yeah, but I, I don't know if you were like in the attic or, you know, whatnot, but...
0: Well, if, if Fuller has any soda, he's going to wet the bed. All
1: right, that's enough of that reference. Let's... <laughs> Out Now is a film... Hello, po- hi! Out Now is a film podcast where Amy and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies via motion power for review, the occasional commentary track or something... Completely different. This is our, you know, regular episode here. It's episode 428. 428. 428, baby. That's, uh, that's actually a solid number. I like that number quite a bit. I'm
0: not trying to think of an area code. I just really like... The it rolls off the tongue, 428. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, a nice model of a car. You know, that's the 428 over there.
1: Yeah. The... Uh... <laughs> the, the... I was like, what brand of car do I say <laughs> that will make this? It'd be work? a BMW. The it's BMW, BMW. four twenty eight, exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. It'd be a four twenty eight I or something.
1: <laughs> Especially the I, yeah. Yeah. And the doors go up. It's one of those. Oh, it's one of those? Wow. Of those. Yeah. Is that ever good? Do you ever we will get to what we're talking about, I, mean, I guess, it worked in a second. For, this is important. Uh... This is an important part of the conversation. <laughs> doors go up. <laughs> Like, do you think people shop at that? I mean, I guess if you have a car that has doors go up, you're probably not going to a regular parking lot anymore. You could probably afford it. Are talking to
0: about gull just... doors like a DeLorean, or are we talking about like, wing doors like a Lamborghini? I,
1: I guess I'm thinking DeLorean doors. Wing doors, I can understand.
0: Oh, it worked out for Troy McClure then, so that's fine. Troy McClure,
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm He's... seeing stars. Just one, baby. <laughs> you might remember him from such films as Shopping Carts, the <laughs> deadliest catch. I made that one up. I didn't have a Troy McClure I, movie I, offhand. I was like, yeah, that actually sounds like the link you would be in. Anyway, for this—how long riff. was that? We should. <laughs> how long was that before we, got to, before we got to the very movie we're talking about? Uh, this week we're talking Hillbilly Elegy, the new Ron Howard film that's now streaming on Netflix. And joining us to talk Hillbilly Elegy, we have, from of Blue, landing somewhere between being a good Terminator and a bad Terminator, it's Peter Parris i'm a bad terminator uh (laughs) hey everybody hey peter how are you doing this is john connor how how is how's your thanksgiving weekend
2: been it's been good it's been good um it's it was different um but spent it with my girlfriend and then did multiple you know zoom calls with families and stuff uh what about you guys same thing actually no
0: girlfriend but a lot of zoom calls with family
2: it's like, it's like made a
1: frowny face for a second. It's like, oh poor Abe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um I yeah, I, I, I spent the I, I spent Thanksgiving with my lovely girlfriend Anna and her family and then uh had more feasting to do with uh with my dad and and Anna once again the other day. So it was uh There you go. A lot, of, a lot of good feasting was going on, was had and there was much mm-hmm. rejoicing. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> the the yay at the end really sold me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Good to have you back here, Peter, as always. Uh, always happy to have you on the show. And uh, before we get more into what's going on with this week's stuff, let's get to some show notes. Uh, first up, new commentary track. That's been up for a little bit now. It is for Unstoppable, the Tony Scott film. Um, it is a super fun film, and we had a super fun time talking all about it. Uh, so you can check that out on iTunes now and everywhere else you can find our show. But specifically for iTunes, where you can also go to rate and review our show. You can search for our show, Out now Out with Aaron and Abe. And, uh, you know, you'll see all the other random episodes that we have, which also feature exaggerated openings like this one did. And uh, then you could be like, you know what? I like that exaggerated ridiculous opening. Let me uh, go give them a rating or review. And you can do just that. You can, give us a, you can give us, like, five stars if you felt so inclined. And then, like, even write a few things. Yeah, thank you so much in advance. Five stars, please. I feel like after Thanksgiving, it was good to, like, recap what the re-
0: review process was. So that's what that was. Yeah, nobody remembers. Everyone's really stuck in this buy now mode for, for uh... <laughs> Like Friday and Cyber Monday coming up.
1: No, I just figure everyone has the itis, you know, after all that eating. <laughs> anyway. Okay. <laughs> um, what else? I think that's it for show notes. I mean, we got we December's coming, and there's plenty of movies that are still on the way as well. And as far as the kind of award season goes, so look out for like bonus episodes or what have here or there, because there's you know a lot to cover, and you can only do so much within. the the regular sunday episode so just stay tuned that's all i'll say for now and Mm -hmm. uh with that out of the way let's move on let's get to uh let's get to one of my favorite segments here what we would have talked about this week were things not to get flipped on their head in an unexpected situation that caused a lot of turmoil in the world of hollywood yeah that sounds like the the segment name that we came up with yeah it's uh i was happy with that one (laughs) like it it was a little less rambly this is what we're going to do every day, every time, now. every after every segment, we're going to just really grade ourselves. Up a new segment name for this. Year. No, we're just going to grade ourselves on how we did with the intro, with the segment. name, with everything. OK, all right. <laughs> uh, but no, this is where we go over some of the mov- one of the movies, at least, that would have come out in this post bloodshot era where things not to have changed, uh, given the pandemic we're currently still facing and dealing with in ways that are ranging from responsible to very much irresponsible. So with that said. Uh, there's two movies that would have come out uh, for Thanksgiving for this you know holiday period. Um, one of them, well, we're not going to talk about this one, but the Bond movie was originally moved from April to Thanksgiving. But we've talked about the Bond movie a lot at this point, so we don't need to talk about that right now. Uh, but there are two movies right here. One of them is King Richard. Uh, mm. I, I will explain what this is. this is. It's from the director of Monsters and Men, a small movie that I really liked. Uh, but it stars Will Smith as Richard Williams. Do you know who Richard Williams is offhand? Mm-mm. he is the father of venus and serena williams oh okay so it is a film that goes over basically the the coaching techniques that richard williams used to train his daughters who of course are world-renowned tennis athletes um mm-hmm. uh, with that in mind would you guys have been interested in a biopic starring will smith as richard williams
0: Where, where's who's releasing this
1: it's a warner brothers film so it would have been like a big awards play kind of thing okay like a Will Smith
0: I would have been interested to see it if they go down the dark paths and the dark paths being like how intense he is and was when he was training them and kind of just like the way that he helped them become champions. Right. If it's going to be like one of those, like I'm sure that there's like a lot of love there, too, but I, it's not easy to become the best tennis player of like all time kind of thing with Serena Williams and then like having two of them together. During like the 90s and the 2000s, like it's not easy to raise your children to be like that. So I I would have loved if it was, um, uh, you know, true to a story and, and dramatic in, in ways that I can appreciate from definitely a uh, a parent who wants their children to succeed in in athletics.
1: Peter, how about you? Are you interested in a Richard Williams biopic?
2: Uh, you know what? Yeah, I'm also I kind of like um child prodigy sports like type of movies so yeah yeah i actually i'm surprised i never heard of that who wait you? Yeah. I mean, so there's, wait wait
1: there's there's, there's been no mark because you know it was a movie that was moved very early on so it's coming out next november now so it's, it's well, not there was no marketing or anything to begin with to who directed <laughs> it it's from uh the director's name is Reynaldo marcus green he directed a film called uh monsters and men from a couple years ago that had john david washington uh, among other people it was a uh, it was like it's like three stories that
2: are all wrapped around the same kind of cause um oh, yeah, monsters it- it- when you said monsters, I was like, wait, the Ian McKellen thing? And I was like, that can't be right. Like, What, um, God, Gods and Monsters? Gods and <laughs> Monsters? I was like, that's not right. Like, um,
1: I mean, I could actually buy Richard Condon coming in to direct a Richard Williams. Bio. That actually <laughs> makes sense to me. <laughs> offhand, but, um... The other one is Monster's Ball. You could have mistaken
0: it for that. Monsters oh, that's Ball.
1: true. There's Gareth Edwards' Monsters. So, you know, the director of Rogue <laughs> <laughs> One and Godzilla is like, you right. know what I want to make right now? <laughs> I
0: mean, let's just go on tangents here. <laughs>
1: Uh, I mean, with that, with that in mind, I I would agree with you. I mean, I like Will Smith in general. I like when he makes choices like this when it comes to his dramatic work. Um, I do I would I have a concern with how dark it goes? I guess, but I I'd, I'd like to think that I think Smith is a very smart guy when it comes to making these kinds of movies. I don't think he makes very many easy choices when it goes when he goes to make these kind of more dramatic films. So I. for being like this is Warner brothers right it'd be so it'd be a big studio film i'm sure it'd have a i'd sure i'm sure it'd find a balance which i guess we'll see in the you know the year Mm -hmm. to come when it actually gets released um but yeah not again there's been nothing on this beyond the fact that it exists so there's not much to talk about because we haven't seen anything from it but that's a movie that was coming out originally the other film that was originally going to come out this week was raya and the last dragon this is the new disney animated feature um directed by and this is fun don hall uh, director of Big Hero Six, with along with Carlos Lopez Estrada, the director of Blind Spotting, which Abe and I are yeah. huge fans of. Yeah. And the film also features, as through the voice talent, you have Kelly Marie Tran from uh The Last Jedi and Five Minutes of Rise of Skywalker, and Aquafina. <laughs> I believe you. I mean, the trailer's been out for this one. I'd like to think you guys at least may have seen it. Are you excited for Raya and the Last Dragon?
2: Yeah, actually, I I that one I thought looked pretty good. So yes, I was excited for that.
0: Yeah, I definitely would have been excited for for this. I mean, I think that just animation in general I'm I'm up for, especially when it looks pretty neat and cool. So um is this isn't this being released like to T V or to, to home video?
1: Nope. Or, no. There okay. is no current plan to release it anywhere but theaters until they change that. Okay.
0: Sounds good. I mean hopefully they represent all the uh, the Asian cultures that rolled them into one there.
1: Yeah. I, I sense it as sarcasm but
0: that's <laughs> 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 no it's supposed to be like she, she's supposed to have a lot of elements of other like Southeast Asian culture or, or mm-hmm. whatever else like in her uniforms or in her uniforms in her uh, costuming and also uh, in the storyline right
1: yeah I, I mean I, I don't have too much on it beyond what I've seen in the trailer but I, I from the look of it like I, I mean it's a Disney animated film it, they generally look very good but I like the what I was hearing in the music so far, it's a James Newton Howard score, who, mm. uh, you know, he does his job. Um, mm. But uh, I, I just, the, the general vibe of the trailer just gave me like a, okay, this looks like a more of an adventure film as opposed to, I don't know what, I don't know, like just a straight up Disney comedy, which I wouldn't expect. Cause it does seem like a, you know, like a more like I I don't know, action adventure type of movie with some fantasy elements or what have you. So I, I want to see what that is. I want to see more of this, I guess is what I'm saying. I mean, I'm looking right. forward to that. Uh, so *Raya and the Last Dragon*, yes, it was originally going to come out this week, but it's now moved to March 12th, 2021. So for the time being, it is scheduled to be released theatrically in March, uh, March 12th, depending on how mm. things play out there. Uh, yeah, the only movie Disney has th- going that way is *Soul* right now, which comes out Christmas Day okay. on Disney Plus with no added cost. Yeah, I was gonna
0: ask like, is there is it like the premium model like Mulan or just, no, just yeah, being released
1: on Christmas Day? You'll be able to watch Wonder Woman 1984 and Soul at no extra cost beyond your membership to HBO Max and Disney Plus.
0: Wow, well, thank you for the gifts,
1: major studios. It Netflix's Klaus uh, delivered those gifts to you guys. That's what happened.
2: Oh wow, uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> Wait, I was I, I was surprised I too. If um um Aaron, I would think you might get screener links, but let's say you no one got any links or anything on christmas day would you watch soul first or wonder woman 84 first well i've seen soul so the choice isn't that hard for me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> i forgot about that Yes. well well
1: well peter how the <laughs> to take. i will say this though if i had not seen soul i'd see soul first i i like okay. i like pixar <laughs> like i mean it's and i i regardless of my thoughts on the movie the the subject matter of soul like that just sound that sounds really neat to me as far as like jamie fox as a you know, having, having like, a Pixar film focused on a black character, for one thing, it's like, well, that's a nice change of pace, Um, and it's about jazz and whatnot, so it's like, all that stuff really adds up. Where, like, Wonder Woman's like, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it, but, I mean, it,
2: you know, it's, it's one of those. Like, it's like, I've got a lot of those. Aaron, same thing? You mean Abe? You mean Abe? Oh, God, Abe. Sorry, yes.
0: Thanks a lot, Peter. I know that Aaron <laughs> and I look exactly the same, but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Try a little harder. <laughs> I think of the title, I heard a name. Yes. I know. No, I I probably would watch uh um I'd watch Wonder Woman eighty four in the daytime and then I'd watch Soul in the night times so that I can feel all these feelings as I uh as I ingest it.
1: That's fair, I guess. You take one as the matinee and one as the, the prime time feature.
0: Right. Yeah, so that I can be uh not bombarded by cars passing by on the street uh, as I watch soul at, you know, 1030 so that I can uh, just weep into my, my hoodie.
1: Peter, how about, where are you at with this? Yeah. In this Um, unnecessary competition you've created for
2: us. (laughs) I think that, I mean, quality, quality wise, I'm pretty sure soul will be what I think is like the better film, but I'm very curious about wonder woman 84. And it's been a long time since I've seen, I've, I've watched a lot of, I've, I've rewatched some Disney movies, over this pandemic and stuff, but I haven't really watched MCU or EU stuff. So I think I'm just, yeah, I think I'm, I'm pretty much in the mood for like a superhero mm-hmm. like movie. So now I probably um, would. Now my mind is on what is the last
1: superhero movie I watched? <laughs> like I'm trying to think about well, that. Wait, a In theaters? God, wait. Well, not in they... I know what it is in theaters. I'm trying, I mean, in general, like during this quarantine where I've had plenty of time to watch whatever, I've tried oh, to. Oh, you're not out... watching Disney Plus on loop? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, would we you, you, they you can't, can't pay the critics when we're not going so to theaters abe so no i'm not watching the movies in the loop. <laughs> would, would no that's you, why they're giving
2: you uh soul for free they're just like here we can't pay you so we'll just give this to you peter what'd you say we, i you know i forgot i did see new mutants what two weeks ago oh yeah okay that... new mutants okay well let's okay. let's
1: think before new Mutants because that would that came out so like we were by default gonna watch that what's well, before new mutants because now i'm trying to think of mine
2: was before because yeah there's no martin there's no other marvel movie that came out like i'm even
1: talking new i mean like re like re-watches i i my thought is i haven't re-watched much as far as those franchises go. watching
0: v- all new things i
1: watched v for vendetta because i got that 4k so i want to see how that looked mm-hmm. but that's not you know within. well
0: i mean what his men have are
2: bullets yeah <laughs> but we have. i re-watched i rewatched um early in the pandemic i re- i did re-watch thor which was my, which was only yeah, the yeah second time i had ever seen it and actually i liked it more the second time good well because i'm, I'm that's, a, more... that's an out
1: now classic we would say that's like our that our like eighth episode if i'm not mistaken. yeah i was like it's like number six, i'm pretty sure it's, it's eight no i'm pretty right. sure it's eighth specifically i think it's the eighth yeah. episode it's like we definitely like that movie
0: more than others
1: <laughs> yeah i enjoyed that one um
2: yeah i haven't really i don't know it's so weird
1: Letterboxd is certainly helping me out here but i still haven't
2: found one <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I mean, it's strange because when I got the Disney app, I was very much all about Marvel and Star Wars, but I feel like I've probably seen more just Disney stuff with that app. Oh, and The Simpsons. I've rewatched a lot of Simpsons. Oh, yeah. Love The Simpsons.
1: I mean, that's just just easy to do.
2: Right. (laughs) I mean, granted,
1: I get a lot of screeners and things. Like, it's hard for me to be like, yeah, let me put on Iron Man 2 right now. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Which I wouldn't mind. Uh, I
0: just watched Iron Man 3 just like a couple days ago. So I, that's why I was like, it's not on loop. I do so have,
1: all- like, I have, I have Guardians 2 in 4K, and now that I have this new 4K TV, I'm like, well, I want to watch that. But then I'm like, well, no, I wa- I'd rather, wa- I want to watch the first Guardians. For- I just want to watch both of them. So I've been like waiting for to get Guardians 1 on 4K, so I can just have. You know, a mini marathon of those movies. before just mm-hmm. watching too, but I know two's going to look spectacular. So I'm like, I'm excited. It. Does look really nice, really pretty. Guardians I'm sure they do. Like they're because they're filmed differently than most of the other Marvel movies. They by default look amazing. It's true. Anyway, yeah. we can move on from this as I continue in the. And background. that was
0: 4K <laughs> talk with Aaron and Hayden.
1: <laughs> Scott Pilgrim, but yeah, I can't find any of these. K O. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's uh, let's get to our our main review for Hillbilly Elegy. Well, I thought your mama was gonna be all right, <laughs> be happy. I know
0: I could have done better, but you you got to decide. You want to be somebody or not?
2: I've been doing real good. I just had a down month. I got an interview tomorrow, Mom. Otherwise, I... Oh, you know me. I always land on my feet. Daddy, don't look at that. Come on, come on. Don't you look at me. You look at me. You
0: look at me. You let her get away with this every time.
2: I told you that I would do better. You always say that. You're but lying. I always try. You gotta think about these kids. What do you think I've been thinking about since I was 18 years old, huh? Never had a life where I wasn't thinking about the kids. Do you actually wanna be dead, mom? Or are you just too lazy to try? Oh, I tried! Plenty! You've always got a reason. It's always someone else's fault. Some
0: point, you're gonna have to take responsibility or someone else is gonna have to step
2: in. Who, huh, You? Hasta la vista, baby. (laughs) How many times have you seen this?
0: Oh, about a hundred. Everyone in this world is one of three kinds. Good Terminator, a bad Terminator, and neutral.
1: You're a good Terminator. Well, I wasn't always.
0: I had to learn. You could, too. I love you.
2: I promise that I'm going to do better.
1: Candy, you,
2: you got a right to your own life. Don't make us your excuse, J.D. Family's the only thing that means a god You'll learn it.
1: That should have been some of the trailer for Hillbilly Elegy. Based on the 2016 memoir by J.D. Vance, the film tells the story of J.D.'s family and the way Appalachian values of his Kentucky family relate to the social problems they face in Middleton, Ohio, where J.D.'s mother's parents moved when they were young. Amy Adams stars as Bev, J.D.'s mother, with Glenn Close as Mama, Mama J.D.'s grandmother. A mix of flashbacks and a present-day narrative set in 2011 allows to see the different stages of his of the life this family exists in with Bev's aggressions in the past turning into drug addiction later on, while JD attempts to do what he can to help. The film is directed by Ron Howard, adapted by Vanessa Taylor. Peter, this is another awards attempt by Howard. Were you a
2: fan? Um, oh, I don't know if I want to say I was a fan. I, <laughs> uh, I had heard, I had seen a lot of like pretty mixed reviews going into this and i am in general kind of mixed as a ron howard person there's definitely movies of his that i've enjoyed and there's other movies of his that i kind of feel like i forget about right after i've seen them um but i was in the mood with you know after i saw that trailer i was like all right it's a good cast I'll, i i hope this is entertaining so um i am you know i'll say this i am predicting i don't know I don't Aaron and I have talked a little, so I don't know what Abe thinks, but I kind of have a prediction I'm probably the most favorable of the three of us. Um I I wasn't bored, I'll say that. Like I yeah. It was okay. I, I, I also I do kind of like stories about uh I mean Sean Baker I think does a, a much better job, but I guess what we would think of is like either I don't know, would we say disenfranchised or people on the fringes, like Mm -hmm. the kind of groups that we do not necessarily always see in films. And so I did appreciate that about this movie, whether or not I thought it was completely successful, though. But I at least it at least has that going for it. That's something, I guess. Mm -hmm. Okay. well, Abe, how about you?
1: Where are you with Hillbilly Elegy?
0: Yeah, with Hillbilly Elegy, um, I found myself just really, uh, like, enveloped with this story. Like, you know, one of the first things that you kind of get a glimpse of is you get a glimpse of, like, him as a young kid, and they're they're in Kentucky. And you can definitely feel, like, you know, the, the sound of the cicadas, like, the way that it's being shot, the way that you hear, like, their voices and, and kind of just the, the story is being told. It really takes you there like it really makes you feel as though like you're in kentucky with this kid and so like ron howard does a great job of, of just like really making you feel like um you know we're in jd vance's world and then you know you, you really feel like that that stifling air of like the the mugginess of like the summer and uh, as jd goes out to like the swimming hole and stuff like that you're just like man family is such a great part of this storyline and as you advance here, I was really blown away by just, like, how good, like, uh, the story was. And then just, like, how good, like, JD's character, like, comes to be. And I, I just kept on thinking to myself, like, man, like, I can't believe that this guy had such a hard life. Like, I he, he made it pretty far. Um, and then I uh, woke up and then I was like, man, this movie is such bullshit. Like, <laughs> there was just so <laughs> much of this movie that I was like... I don't understand some of it because it's unrelatable. Because I, you know, I, not not that I, I didn't grow up like without having things, but more just like I, I don't think that it's here. Let me take a step back.
1: As we it recover it, from it, the whiplash of the bit you were doing, just yeah. <laughs> yes. I was trying to sell Aaron because Aaron can sift these out. <laughs> I was, re- I was, I was giving you a cock eye through my <laughs> without the video here <laughs> through the
0: through the computer screen. Yeah. here,
1: got it. There was a no. Is it a bad
0: story? No. I mean, like JD Vance's story is pretty incredible about him growing up in Appalachia with these values and then with uh, him going to like Yale Law. Is it a bad movie? It is a bad movie because I don't think that the writing is all that good. And I don't think I don't know if it's the writing in itself written by Vanessa Taylor um, or if it's also like JD's book is also very nondescriptive. And so what's happening here is that you're getting, like, this Wikipedia-type movie, uh, which I have rarely seen with, like, these types of films. Um, but for the most part, like, they have to, like, go through so much so quickly, and it really doesn't give you any impression of, of, of you know, his life whatsoever. Like, I think that you get pockets of good acting, primarily by Glenn Close. Um, but for the most part, I don't think that the writing is very strong. I don't think that you have enough to attach yourself with to any of the characters, like to say like, wow, well, J.D., he's having a hard time now. Oh, well, I guess that you were going to go on a montage of him being 15 and starting to do some dishes and, and throwing out the trash. And that's really going to what sets him straight. It's like I don't think that these things work in a movie like this because it becomes unrelatable. It becomes like, oh, well, it's so easy for him to have gone through all these trials and tribulations and all of a sudden, like you know, the 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 reason why he was failing in math was because he didn't have a calculator that his <laughs> grandma bought for him. You know, it's like that's not the real reason. Like what you you're showing me things, but you're not telling me things. And because you're, uh, well, I mean, that's actually the the right thing to do in terms of like show versus tell. He's also but, really
1: bad at stealing. I just put it out.
0: Yeah, that. he's also bad at stealing. <laughs> but yeah. also, I think I think really what it comes down to is like I, I, I haven't been given enough about this J D Vance character to really appreciate how much he's gone through and the examples that they throw out there are just so while they're real like i found them to be so poorly like constructed that i just didn't give a crap and i i will say honestly that i don't know what the directing was like like i think ron howard has some good hits and some good misses this is probably one of his misses um and i i honestly don't like the the kid actor who plays jd vance um the adult actor is a little bit better but Amy Adams like here and there, but honestly, like the the person who breaks away from this is Glenn Close and it's because she's given a few monologues to do these things. But on the whole, I don't think it's a good movie at all. I I don't think that I was really attached to anybody because um, of just the way that uh, the writing was was so poor. But yeah, I I, I also found it to be kind of a chore because it's also like two hours long and, and at one point I was like, I wonder where we are right now and uh 15 minutes we're ahead. about halfway 15 <laughs> minutes yeah we're about halfway through and i was like i can't believe that this is happening so yeah i, w- I was not a fan because i
1: just think that it's not a good movie i am um, I'm, I'm about the same with peter honestly i i i okay i'm gonna leave now i'm not gonna <laughs> what you know watching it initially I, I watched it with my lover girlfriend and i i i w- i found myself drawn in by a lot of what was going on as far as like the main story being told which is really like the present day story with as far as the kind of uh the adult jd dealing with his mother who had a drug problem like there's just like there's enough of like a i don't know a visceral pull there where you're just inherently interested in where that's going to go and like that that made it work that made it watchable to me like that bit like we can talk about the performances and the writing what have you but in terms of like a movie i could just watch like that element i think made it work well enough but like the more i sat on it the more i started thinking about it i just kept thinking to myself well what did i learn about appalachia like i feel like Regardless of how much you agree with the viewpoint or what have you, I, I feel like the the film's goal is not only telling you this specific character story, but also giving you an idea of what it is. Like Peter, you were referring to these, you know, this population that people just aren't as familiar with. And in this case, this kind of Appalachian society. Now, besides the fact that the movie's set in Ohio mostly, which is not Appalachia, I, I I kept still, I kept thinking, well, given that this is like a big part of the film. That should be an element that factors in, whether it's from Mama's stories or what Bev's doing, or you know any number of other things. I thought those would be, those would be aspects that would be made more clear to me. Not only that we're t- being told this story about these people, but what it is that what it is about their Appalachian values that really makes it special or stand out or something that you just weren't aware of before. And I don't think it, it succeeds that at all. Uh, I will say, like you're, you talked about J.D. Abe, as far as like the things he went through, that's the, that's the care. I mean, whether or not you find the character interesting, I found the stuff he went through to be like the most understandable. Whereas I didn't get much from, from Amy Adams or Glenn Close, as far as who they were. I get as sure. far as their acting goes, like they're doing yeah, the yeah. job. I do think Amy Adams and Glenn Close are very good in this movie. They're good actors. I don't not expect that to happen. There is a lot of shouty, let's be loud. And that means Oscars kind of acting going on, but that doesn't necessarily <laughs> be the wrong way. I will say Glenn Close is Is that how a, you win an Oscar? It doesn't hurt <laughs> okay. if you're louder. Right. Um, but, you know, most acting as opposed to best acting is often a mm-hmm. thing. Uh, but with Glenn Close, yes, I think she's the most successful performance. And But at the same time, I feel like the movie wants to convey that, you know, she's been this tough mom and it was really hard on Amy Adams. But I never really got that from her. Like, it seems like she was playing essentially sassy grandma, which is like, that's fun. Like, there's, you know, and there's some big speeches or what have you and things but like i i never got a sense of what it is that drove bev to be the way that she was and that i feel like is a key issue for me in this movie now i'm not saying that i needed like a giant dump of exposition to be like look at all these terrible things that happened to her or whatnot totally but i do think there are movies that i even wrote some down just so i wouldn't forget for this podcast that know how to convey these elements of the story without you know Having to you know lay it on you thick like there's there's ways to do this effectively in just like this movie it, basically in the reverse of what this movie's doing, so it's yeah. a combination of things and all then we can start talking about as a whole i I don't think the Appalachian Society was really delved into all that much as far as various things, like the drug problems that Amy Adams character can basically represents or. Uh, you know what the economic situation's like, or just what these family values are supposed to be beyond? We always finish our fights, or whatever bullshit they threw at you at the beginning. Like, there's not there's not a lot there that separates that area from <laughs> I, any I any just, other I'm like
0: because of what you said about the the bullshit in the beginning. It's
1: like, <laughs> so true. There's there's nothing else there that sep- that seems to separate it from other, you know, lower middle class what have you towns from across the country. So I just it's not specific enough for me despite the fact that it seems like it 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 feels like Ron Howard thinks that he accomplished that and I just don't feel like he got there and on the other side there's these characters that are rich and full of life and they're acted by good actors but I don't think I learned that much about them beyond their surface issues so as a whole it's like it's watchable but what else you got it's kind of my my thought yeah And I think that's my takeaway, too.
0: And and it wasn't as though you said the acting is fine. And and it is. It's really about what I'm learning from these people. And I'm I'm not really getting anything from them. I I get superficial things like what you're also describing. And I think that's really a huge detriment. You know, I thought of a lot of movies when I was thinking about when I watched this movie as well. And also when I was thinking about it after the fact. But I think one of the things that really hurts it is because I don't have any sort of it's not even that I have to have emotional attachment to these characters. It's more that I have to give a shit and I have to care about these characters in such a way that's like, yeah, and now I'm rooting for JD or I'm rooting for Bev or I'm rooting for uh, Mama. And it's like I don't have any of that connection to, to these folks. And it really hurts it because at some point I'm supposed to feel bad that. JD has to go through all these things, and then he has to deal with, like, his girlfriend, too, who's in D.C., and, you know, all of a sudden, I, I, you know, it it comes to, like, a a huge head, um, and I just didn't really feel as though it really earned any of it, and uh, I'd love to go into more specifics, but, Peter, I'd love to kind of hear a little bit more about, like, how... uh, what you enjoyed about it, too, and um, I I definitely have, like, a lot to, to talk about from the Appalachia standpoint, too.
2: I mean, like, I think I... I, I I see both of what you guys are saying. Um, the way I was coming to the film was more. It was. He didn't even like when when Aaron is saying like, well, did we really learn anything about the Appalachian like people and like and that life? And it's like not really. Like and however, I mean I I I think you're right about that. Um, this is the kind of movie that that, and I feel like this is. A term that I'm hearing a lot about other movies where there's these movies that have been greenlit in the last few years or or probably longer from studios. They come out and I guess the kindest way is to say they feel kind of dated in their approach to the material. And then another way would be like, oh, that's the kind of movie that if this came out in the late nineties or early 2000, it totally, and it, and it was successful. Let's say it was a hit, you know, it would have been up for Oscars, like the blind side or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and cause I don't know if I would look at the blind side or the help or other movies and stuff and, and, necessarily think that those are super deep either. So that's why I'm not, I agree with Aaron that I like getting more, especially if you're showing me a, a part of society and this in a particular family. I really want to dive deep and I really want to feel like I get to know them. And you're right, right. Abe, I want to feel like I'm rooting for them. However, the reality is I know that well, a lot of movies aren't like that. They are done in a certain kind of rote way and people just want I've never seen a lifetime movie. I know that like lifetime right. is very big. Like I know they're really big on that whole Christmas season. There's like 70 Christmas movies they make or whatever. <laughs> to, to be and, clear, and,
1: to be to be clear, it's it's Hallmark that makes those movies. Oh, Hallmark I'm sorry. So sorry. It, Lifetime Life, because Lifetime Life, Life, Life makes the like really bad soap opera-y stuff. Yes, where, yeah. where like right. the Life secretary kills like... the
0: husband who's who is not actually dead kind of thing. Correct. Um, Correct. but I, I laughed when you said that because I also thought about I also wrote Hallmark to my friends I was like this is like a hallmark movie like and it, it's not that good
2: <laughs> but I don't know this is,
1: it, but, no, but then, this, I mean you know, this I don't know how to get to this it's, like, it's not exactly it's, it's like like not hallmark, like a hallmark movie. But because there's like there's a, there's an inherent it's, thing it's, there that works for that genre where this is trying to be like what peter's saying it's trying to be one of these like old-fashioned not a, I mean, it's it's weird not to say courtroom drama, but the same kind of thing, like a and, a, a studio film that has big actors doing big acting, right. gives speeches and whatnot. That feels right for an award season.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. there's a big moment. I don't, I always forget how much we do spoilers, but like maybe in within the first 40 minutes in the movie, there's a big scene where Amy Adams really goes off on J.D. when he's a kid. And the police get involved and everything. That is very much the kind of scene one, I think Adams delivers in that scene. I think she's she's good and, and everything. Um and and it is and it is kind of shocking still to see when you see abusive parents and stuff. Like I I feel like, yeah, I mean, like that's the kind of thing that can be compelling. And I feel like that whole sequence is pretty good. Like or it's weird to say good, but like I am, I'm, I was on board. I'm like, okay, where's this gonna go? What's this? Sure. What's this woman? What's well, not really their neighbor, but what's the person that JD, JD goes into this house? What and, you're
1: speaking to, you know, I think, is something that
2: Howard really knows how to do well is handle tension. We don't talk about that yeah, enough God. when it
1: comes to him. I, I think he, for all the, you know, dramatic work aside, I do think when he has scenes that are constructed around tense moments, he's very good at that. You can look at Apollo 13. You can look at oh, Backdraft. Yeah. You can look at. <clears throat> I'm not gonna say the Da Vinci code, but you can look at a number of his films that the ransom. You can look at a number of his films that involve The like, Ransom? What?
0: Ransom, ransom, okay. Ransom. Give me back, my son! Uh yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay,
0: <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, wait,
1: the ransom. I was like, is that a new movie? I haven't seen the ransom. You, you can look you can look at scenes like from movies like those where they operate entirely on the tension of the scene, and he's good at that. He knows how to make those scenes work. So yeah, I mean that's stuff that I agree with you, Peter. Like those are those are scenes when it is the kind of bev as a based on like a ticking clock or like a pot that's about to boil over those scenes work because there's a weird, like regardless of how much you care about these characters, you're, you're still sitting here thinking this is a situation that's going to explode at some point. I don't know what's going to happen. And I think that it works well.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I will also say though, that I, I think one of the things that kind of hurts the movie, and again, it's based on a book is I, I don't, I, I agree with, um, Abe, I I don't, you know, of course, I don't want to be hard on child actors or anything, but I really think that the younger JD, the younger JD is in the story that I'm more interested in, but I find his performance kind of lacking. The older JD who just needs to make the decision to, is it like a Harvard interview? Is that what it is? A Yale interview, but what are they going to do with the mom who OD'd? And it's like, we need to, you know, like that doesn't, that situation didn't like compel me as much, but I understand this is a book. So it's like, well, that's probably the story. And they had to figure out a way to balance these elements and stuff. But I mean, that's the thing as a viewer where I'm like, uh, oh, now we're back to him on his smartphone, trying to talk to his girlfriend. He's got to drive. What's he going to do? And I'm like, eh, like I don't find that
1: his girlfriend, oh, there, played no by by, I... his girlfriend from Fr- played by Frida Printo, who's been yeah. like a college student for a while now. Cause she was like in college in rise of the planet of the apes. didn't she, Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <So she's> just... <laughs> The timeline is just the same. <laughs> really gotta get those grades she's
0: being, up. <laughs> she's being typecast as college student or grad student. <laughs> kid,
1: I will say that like the actor, real the... quick, real quick, the actor playing the older JD, Gabriel Basso. Basso, this kid's grown like I. He was in what, like Super 8 and Kings of Summer, and now he's like you know. I guess he's, he's like slightly older by a few years, but like he, it looks like he, he like bulked up for this movie too. Like oh, I. Oh, he's I, from
2: Super 8. Like, ah. Yeah, because he's, like, okay. he's like oh he's
1: like. You know, I, we've been, as I long mean, as we doing you know really it wasn't filmed last year. I know, but it's like we'll be doing it. That came out once we started this podcast. So it's been That's like it. a while. At the same time, it's like,
2: geez, this kid's grown up now. and He's <laughs> like playing right, like yeah. an adult in Yale. <laughs> it's like, all right. Right. I do think that there's a there is a thing, though, that and this is where I wonder if especially as people who like I think all of us consider ourselves kind of like not just uh, movie fans, but people who, who I think we somewhat know about the business and everything mm. There, is, I feel like 15 year old me would maybe see a scene where there is a scene early in the movie where, um, older JD is at, that, at the table with all the, 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 he's hoping to get this interview and a person says something about like rednecks, he basically talking the red about neck. the South yeah. and yeah. there's a confrontation. Yes. A younger, like me, not knowing too much about the nuance of those things, probably would be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you said that. And good thing he's sticking up for himself. But like... it's invented older, for the movie that's not in the book, by the way. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. wow. Right. Yeah, I was like, that felt like it was not... Yeah, really the, other, good yeah thing. the version of me now watching it, and I don't know if that's also just audiences now, too, it, it just feels really, like, I mean, yeah, forced or phony, even though I am sure that of course those situations can happen but it just rings really hollow you know and, it, and it's just yeah. like ah really that's well, what,
1: that's it, what it I is. think it, it comes from its placement in the for one thing nobody wants to be called a redneck so i mean i'm sure that's part of it right i mean it's easy to understand what the goal of that scene is Oh, but of course, but but of course, i think yeah. it's coming at a point where we haven't learned much about this area so it's like it's not earning these moments. It's it's going. It's all surface. Like I am like it's yeah. it's all like right. It's like yeah. There's a natural reaction that you can get, but how much meaning does it have? I mean, you can do more. You can do more to make that yeah, scene Yeah, and and like and not you know, stick then, and not stick out like a stock sequence.
0: It, it, yeah, it feels very much stock. And so like that example of that scene, I didn't like that scene overall because it's like okay, cool. I've been in the Marines and I've been in law school. And yet, I don't know how to sit down at a dinner table that's the, and yeah, figure out that's the all the forks. Thing. Yeah, like, like, this I'm is so like, so like written out of like some some guy who like or you know watch like uh, uh, things like oh, this is like what high class society does. Like that's not true at all. First of all, if you're gonna go and get like a glass of wine at a uh, at a cocktail party, nobody's asking you if they're walking around if you want a chardonnay, <laughs> chardonnay or like, know, a dry you know like it's just red or white
1: you choose one or the other it goes way over the top with the like separation between these things but Abe you're exactly right as far as the person JD is where he's had this experience and he's been a marine he's like he can't control himself here like that's yeah that's odd like it's I don't think the situation is not that tender where he can't handle himself at a dinner table also the other thing real real quick yeah 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 I've never been at a fancy dinner, but I've seen Titanic. I know what the little fork does versus the big fork. I mean, it's like, this isn't hard. This isn't rocket science. You don't need to go but, to but, another yeah. room to call somebody and be like, what do I do with these forks? They're going to laugh at me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I think, and, and to be honest, like, I, this is like something that in real life, nobody gives a shit. Like, unless you're at an etiquette school, nobody's <laughs> really? going to give a shit that you use, like, the little oh. fork for your dinner instead of, like, for the salad. Just, you know just what I mean?
1: imagine that phone call. Well, JD, I mean, you have scores that are over the roof here. Your qual- your extracurriculars are top-notch, and I, I hear you're working multiple jobs just to pay for yourself through school. But I'm sorry. This internship, I mean, right. we, we like people around here that know which fork to use at the right time. So I just don't think this is going to work <laughs> <Right>. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: But I mean this is this is an example of what I what I said earlier of like I just find it unrelatable, right? And it's uh-huh. not that I I haven't been to these fancy dinners or whatever the case. It's more just like this scene is a ridiculous scene in an, in an, of itself because why would you write this is as if like it it happened in like some like super if if, if this happened in Encino man, I'd get it, right? But this oh, is sure. happening to a guy who was, you know, again, a marine and then he it, he went to undergrad and then he went to grad school for law. It's like I don't understand why this is here and if it's real then fine if it's not real whoever wrote this Vanessa, you like I don't know what you were doing. so <laughs> when when I'm taking when I'm taking a look at all this all these scenes together as a collaborative, Peter, you're totally right. I mean one of the things that you said earlier which I really agreed with is like you know we don't get a lot of these fringe society type movies and when we do, sometimes they're really good. And what I think about is like, you know, Aaron and I have talked about Out of the Furnace. And that's also in, in West Virginia, Appalachia, where it's lucky. like, hey, yeah, like that. That's like, hey, a town uh, has a hard time. And then a brother, one of the brothers is is much more wild than the other. But also society at large is like eating at him. Um, and then I like watching this movie. I also thought about like, you know, other movies that have been framed that are really good are uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild. Oh, um oh, yeah. Where I'm watching them, like, I, yeah, exactly. It's like, I get how poor they are in that movie. In this movie, everybody has their own house. And I get that it's, like, poor Ohio, but they live on the same street. They have three homes. They have two cars. They have, uh, presumably, jobs and what have you. And so, like, when these things happen, like, these, these, these cut scenes happen of, like, how tough it was, you know, yes, I get that hunger is an issue, but you didn't show me that like it's so difficult for Mima to get more food or she lost her job or you know what have you like i don't have that sense so that when you get like that delivered meals on wheels kind of thing and she cuts like more of the chicken for jd it's like this is i it, it's it's understandable but it's also just like not really anything that's hitting me home and i see what, what
1: you're i see what you're saying i mean i like there's you know Bev loses her job a couple of times in this film and we never really see what the setback is we just see like oh now yeah. I gotta go find another job and it's like I'm not and I'm not saying like the movie needs to be three hours so I can cover these various things or whatnot but I I mean it gets to what I but I, I've been saying I mean, as if well it's so like a six-hour movie kind of thing sure but like it gets to the thing I've been saying as well where it's it's not it's not that it's not giving me this stuff it's just it's sure, not sure. doing it in a way where it, be, it leaves an impact you're, you're yeah. saying things about like jobs or like you mentioned the meals on wheels things and like it, it gives some it gives some flavor to what's happening and it, it right. you know the production design is good in this film but like i i'm not feeling that i'm not feeling yeah. that beyond the notion of okay this is what it is right now yeah
2: i, yeah. Well, I, and also, I think the other oh yeah peter. go ahead peter oh, oh, no. oh go ahead. No, peter, no no please go. peter oh I mean, I think also maybe what we're talking about with all these scenes there, and actually this isn't necessarily about being Appalachian as much as it is about being specific, is we're talking about scenes that are very external. He is at a table. He does not know what fork to use. Uh, Meemaw, um, I think it's Mima or whatever, or Mame, whatever. Um, you're right. So we, Meals on Wheels comes and she needs to figure out if she can get more food for her and her grandson. I always feel like that's fine. Like you, of course you need external things, but a really good narrative with characters. I always feel like there should be a point where it's a delicate balance where the audience, um, sort of knows the situation that the person mm-hmm. is and they're kind of anticipating how they're going to react, not in a predictable way. And you know what movie I just thought of, and I know Aaron loves it and I don't know if, um, Abe has seen it is a uh, leave no trace. Oh yeah. Great movie. Uh, yeah, I yeah. Leave no trace. There's another movie and that's a person who went to war and it's just him and his daughter and there's not a lot of dialogue in that. But I pretty much – I'm always on the cusp of feeling like I know what Ben Foster's character is going to do even if he doesn't have to like literally say it. And I feel like that internal thing makes a world of difference, yeah. especially when you're talking about, again, what we think of as like people on the fringes and stuff. That's a huge right. – because it makes them relatable I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I also found this hard well, but because... I mean, I, I just real quick, I uh-huh. mean it, it's very specific
1: where... Yes. It, it, like, Leave No Trace and Out of the Furnace for that, man, and Logan Lucky, I feel like those are films that all... And Florida for Project, I feel like those are all films that... Yeah. They're not only giving you a setting and an environment, they're operating in a way where the thing that's going on for them seems very specific to them, and that makes right. it yes. more relatable. Where I don't think... Oh. I think the... I don't think Howard is... And I I don't think the film is diving deep enough into what makes them specifically them beyond their personality quirks. And
0: so I, th- like, I think that's kind of where I'm also hurt by this movie, not physically or emotionally, but just more like I, I think that's a detriment to the movie is that this is a biography. This is somebody's autobiography. And you have the resource to be like, hey, by the way, you know, we're going to cut this and do that instead uh, versus the movies that we've been describing as as uh, counterparts they're all fiction and yet they're they're much better and i don't understand like why they didn't just want to focus on a few things and make those things resonate right. much more and that really hurt it too because you know the example that i think about when you guys when we all were talking about like the appalachian people is like uh jd's grandfather passes away in this movie and they they go back right they they bury him back at back at uh, in kentucky and at one point you know everybody is is taking their everyone literally stops in the town and and takes off their cap in um in celebration and also salute of this person that is part of them right and jd's like you know this is a part where it's like bad writing because i clearly know what's going on and yet jd has to say like why are they doing this and then mama has to say it's because we're hill people and we we uh we celebrate hill people kind of thing and i was like i get it but also this is poorly constructed um and so those things add to it and and my biggest grievance about this movie is that this is something that we've we talked about a lot in the last, like, few years, which is, like, the representation on the screen is just – I just don't understand. We have so many of these stories of, like, a white person having a hard time coming up through and then making a kind of thing. And when I think about a movie like – um, which is also fictitious, but when I think about a movie like Moonlight, where it's, like, this guy had a hard time, his mother, like – has a love hate relationship at one point, really hates him so much so that I felt it in my bones kind of thing. Um, and then they have like the coming together thing. And I, I think about like immigrant stories versus like American rural stories. I haven't seen Minari, but I actually
1: I, just on and I watched that today. <laughs> it's actually very yeah, relevant to this conversation, but I'm not going to uh, say too because
0: much. they're they're like in Alabama or Arkansas, Arkansas or yeah. that,
1: right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's like I haven't seen that yet, but I think immigrant stories have so much more to tell than something like this and this is not to say that this is a bad movie it's just like when i think about you mean a bad story bad story yeah um well it's a good story it's a bad movie but uh, i know, what you know you, i know
1: what
0: you're saying yeah yeah I, we, I, we, we saw like tiger tail earlier yeah we saw a tiger tail earlier this year as well and that's a story about an immigrant coming to the states and uh having to choose between two worlds kind of thing whereas this one is just like hey if I, Aaron, you talked about this too, and I, I wrote this down. It's like, if your mom was such a fuck up and you, you blame your grandma too, tell me more about that. Because otherwise, what am I getting other than like everybody fucks up once in a while and you're going to be okay?
1: That's you know? my main, that's my main, that was the main reason why I was like, I just ultimately can't do much of this because I feel like there's, there's a lot that's not said about what's going on with Bev as far as why she gets so angry or why yeah. she turns to drugs. And these are things where like, if you want to not tell me about Appalachia then tell me about that. and it doesn't do that. So right. I'm like, I feel bad as far as, yes, I'm watching a movie and so like it's automatically trying to grab my empathy. But at the same time, it's like there should be more here. I should and by and by proxy, like I should if I'd see why Bev's doing drugs now, that should inform me on what Appalachia is like, as far as the issues that very are there, as far like opioid op- yeah. pro- opioid problems or what have you. Like there, right? And it's not, and that's not even about. And we've talked about all of this. I don't think we're casting any kind of shadow over the idea of Appalachia, or like trying to make fun nope. of hill people or anything, because that's not that's not what we're doing, and that's not what the movie's doing, obviously. The movies but it's definitely. Like, yeah. But like it's not it's not just that it's having pride about where they're from it's about well tell me about it tell me what's going on here and even if that means like getting into the politics of it all which the movie very much trips away which i feel like is also disingenuous i it's like to give me something more like i yeah there's i mean like the the, book like like, i mentioned i mentioned the book was released in 2016 and i haven't read it but i'm very aware that jd vance has views on like like a part of that book is very much why people are you know Choosing certain ways to go as far as where they stand in the political aisle, it would have to. His,
0: his, his, basically, he's saying like you, you should pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, is what he's saying.
1: And there's yeah. ways to, and there's ways to relate that to the ideas of today or what have you, and it just like none of that's really there in this
2: movie. But so but that's like, also
0: what I'm pointing out is like you know again J D Vance today is a venture capitalist, he's a Republican, and he graduated from Yale Law, and so it's unrelatable to me on that front already. But then, when you read his book, and this is like for my friend who's read it, who's given me like the the nutshell synopsis, is like, well, he's basically saying like, you know, the reason why hill people are the way that they are is because they're not trying hard enough, or whatever the case is. Like, dude, the example I just gave you guys earlier of like they, you guys had three different houses, you know what I mean, that you could go to if you wanted to, and I'm not saying that it's a good place to live. It's just more like there's other scenarios and other situations and other movies. Like, I love that you guys brought the Florida project because in that movie they're living in a motel mm-hmm. and what you don't get until later is that the mother is so broke that she has to sell herself for, for money. You know what I mean? And that becomes such a weird dynamic and it's so like – it's icky in that there are situations in which like people come into the bathroom and they're like, hey, you have a kid here? You know what I mean? And it's like yeah. that stuff is like, oh, shit. Like this is some some rough stuff. Um, which is why the ending is so magically pure. But with all that being said though, I, I just didn't think that they gave you anything. And this is my last thing that I'll say is like I or in terms of like the, the where I stand on this movie is like the ending is a very American ending. And what I mean by that is and this is not to say like, you know, this is not minorities versus like minority kind of thing or or majority versus minority thing. It's more just like the way that the movie ends is or, or the climax of one of the parts of the endings is that JD finally realizes that he's got to like, let go. Right. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to support you in whatever you need to do, but I need to go right now. And that's a very American ending because I immediately thought of the farewell, which is also fictitious kind of. And I think to the scene where she, where Awkwafina talks to her dad and her uncle and her uncle is telling her about East versus West And why these things matter you know what i mean Uh and it's like this is such a weird ending to have like in a book in your own life you're like hey these are your problems and you need to solve them so i'm gonna leave you alone now you know and i was like that's such a weird fucking ending like it's so rude to some degree but it's also like i don't understand like this person really needs something right now and you're gonna leave them that that's not really the way to go here but I guess, you know, I, 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 I'm I on the same page of a lot of psychologists of, like, if you need help, you have to acknowledge it yourself kind of thing. and I get that. And so you can't really help somebody unless they're saying, like, hey, I definitely have, like, a drug problem. But just for you to be, like, I finally grown up. I have a flashback of all these things that you did to me. And it's, like, you definitely need to grow up on your own, mom. It's, like, that's such a weird way to
2: to say, like, I've become a man. You know what I mean? Well, so I, I, that... I, I had a hard problem with that. I mean, I – I like. I really like how you just put all that together. I actually did not think of all that. I mean, r- although, I mean, again, this isn't me defending it, sure. but that makes – I would also say not only is it a very American kind of point of view, I would say it's an American post-war, which is basically baby boomer point of view. Yeah. I mean that's yeah. kind of the classic thing of like so many – baby boomer filmmakers when they do movies about families and stuff there's always a lot of weird stuff about how the children essentially are kind of messed up because of their parents there's a lot of that kind of guilt or whatever or or blame i'm sorry um it seems very specific i'm not saying other generations can't do that but that to me feels very boomer like Mm -hmm. um and you're right that is that is very much the movie i didn't really i didn't i didn't think of that anything like that uh,
1: huh. it's also it's also very i don't know what heard, like screenplay 101 as far as the movie hinges on a ticking clock element as far as will jd get back in time for a thing um right. so it needs to wrap things up within that amount of time and so it's because i i agree with you i hear what you're saying as far as like what's the message trying to send here well because it's trying to pretzel itself into something that quote-unquote works for a movie you have to, like, hit certain beats and what have you. And it's like, Ron Howard, you've been doing this for a while. Like, there's... like, <laughs> like they, they, I'm sure you know there's other ways to accomplish... Like, if you can make a movie about a spaceship where it's just people in a room deciding how to fix it, I feel mm-hmm. like you can make a family drama work better than this. I, I just... Right. It's a little hard to comprehend sometimes when you have people that are very good at their job, for the most part, how they're telling a story here. Yeah. And I feel like the there's because what part of what frustrates me is there there is stuff i like about this movie because i do think there are elements that are compelling i do think the actors are doing their job and i do think like even the look and the even the score like hans zimmer and david fleming's score in this movie i think is pretty good there's a lot of like yeah. stuff here because i think ron howard is good like that he gets good people because he's ron howard so he can get this stuff and make it work so it's it's not just that it like doesn't capitalize on a lot of good of like the things going on here but it's frustrating because it can, it, like, you can find the sure. way to do it. Yes. Like Frost yeah. Nixon's a ridiculous movie, as far as, if you think about it. But it's like, it's also pretty neat. Like I really like Frost Nixon for like how it oh, kind puts like, yeah, things too. together. Oh, right. So it's like, why, why this one? As far as you know, what? not being I, able to tell this personal story about these characters, because it feels like they're, he's doing that as far as I have these actors and I'm gonna let them act. But he's not doing anything else. It's like he just tried to decide to skip steps to like get you to like you that moving
2: maybe, moments, quote unquote. Do you think maybe what's going on, though, is that Howard maybe had the intention of wanting to kind of, I mean, that I know of, I don't think Howard is, Ron Howard is politically on the same end as the person who wrote um, the book. And do you think that maybe in the times we're living in, Howard really wanted to tackle a subject like this and he really wanted to do what he thought was to kind of pay respect to basically a kind of um, culture and way of looking at. Not just people, but like as as Abe was saying, uh, America, maybe in ways that he's not familiar with. And maybe he just couldn't make that connection, because when you brought up Apollo 13 and Frost Nixon, both movies, which I think are pretty strong for Ron Howard. Those are both movies where everyone in the room, like the characters that we're dealing with, are all from the audience's point of view. They are all pretty smart. Like they're mm-hmm. literally rocket scientists in Apollo 13, so we are assuming this this isn't about good guy bad guy. Everyone's doing the best job they can to try to bring these people. And maybe what's going on here is that like, while I do I don't think he's trying to make that make the characters look dumb or something. Right. It's not I quite. Mean, the, I, same I, thing. I would say the movie you goes know? out of its way to say it. they're smart. Amy Adams
1: was the valid Victorian She promotes many times. Oh, she, that's she, right. Victoria. JD's Victoria. at Victoria. Yale. I mean and like my that's... and my proves that she is I mean she she has plenty of things going on for her. Like these are smart characters. The film is not shy about making that clear. So I, I agree with you, Peter, as far as I don't know. I, I get the like the if it's the simplest problem is just he's out of his depth, like that's what the issue is. Like yeah. I don't know what it well, is. Well, I
0: mean again, this is why I was like, I wonder if it's the writing or if it's the directing and then the other part of me that, that crept up today was like, I wonder if the book is just poorly written like j d Vance's biography is poorly written, autobiography is poorly written. you know what I mean because they're adapting it from that. So if he's going back and forth the way that the movie goes back and forth, then maybe they just it was lost in translation to begin with um because to some degree, this is one of those movies where it could be simply handled, but you know you have to give you have to uh, give deference to the the real character and the real person I should say um and how they how they had written their life, I suppose. but at some point you know a director definitely has to like take the reins and say like hey by the way we're gonna make it this way and you might not like it but it's a better movie that way you know what I, I mean? mean
1: from what I can see like they're all very supportive of each other like JD Vance is very much involved with the press and everything mm-hmm. as far as this movie like it seems like I'm not gonna say it's smug but there is a kind of self-satisfied feel that I get from this it feels like Ron Howard feels very happy that it's like yes I told okay. this story about these people and I think from where our perspective at least along with many others as far as where the reviews have been or what have you, it just feels like you you didn't really tell that story. You you told us you didn't, you you, you put these characters on screen and you have good actors and you do like a lot of stuff that generally works as far as a, the film is put together. But as far as really giving me any any kind of insights, I just didn't get that. Like that's my biggest issue. Like there's not, there's not much here beyond the surface value. Now that will work for a lot of people. That kind of thing does. That's the blind side in a nutshell, but when you look below that surface, when you dig a little deeper, it's like, I'd rather have a Ron Howard movie I keep coming back to, like Apollo 13, than one that just kind of sits there, like these characters in the poster, just sitting there. It's like,
0: <laughs> what else? Yeah. What else you got? Yeah, I hear what you're saying.
1: And so, I, I,
0: my last nitpick is that there's a one point where JD is driving back for his, his internship interview, uh, and he's talking to his girlfriend, and... Um, he's talking about me and Ma and he's getting all sad and he says, you know, it's really hard that they, they like, it was really hard for them to come to Ohio with like nothing. And then his girlfriend says, I know my father came here from India with nothing. And it literally fades and cuts to like another part of the conversation. And I was like, this is so ridiculous. Like, (laughs) Like, That's the story that you're trying to tell is from nothing to something And yet she has the most interesting story, and and you're going to fade because it's not her story. So, anyway, nitpick.
2: But I will say, I I know we're really coming down on it, but... um, I think I'm I'm coming at on it more than you guys are. I mean, but (laughs) look, in in, in, in the world of, like, where we're all home and we have a million things that we can watch or play, I was looking forward to this because I was like, I like the cast and let's see what Ron Howard does and I watched it in one sitting, that's, like, my new rule, unless it's, like, unless it's, like, some pre... Like, I am assuming there's no way I wouldn't watch Mank in one sitting. Like, yeah, of course I will. But, like, Uh for this, I easily could have watched 40 minutes of this and been like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll finish this up tomorrow. But I didn't. I watched it straight through. So, like, that still counts for something to me. You know? Like, it's a hard movie to defend, but what I enjoyed about it are the things, like, Aaron would say are obvious. Like, it is well acted. It does have a good score. It's well shot. Like, yeah, but it moves. You know, the, co- the competence is there. Like, I as yeah, far as absolutely. as far as film I, construction I goes,
1: yeah. it's there. Like, no, I don't think anyone's gonna argue I, that. Like, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not. You know, one plus one equals 14. Like, it's the it adds right. up as far as a movie goes. <laughs> the
0: yeah, the construction is there, but it was just so on the nose, and I didn't think it was very good at all. I mean, at it one is. point, it's it's like a literal. It's a literal on-screen device of you're gonna pass through the tunnel into your old life oh Oh, look here you are exiting that tunnel into your new
2: life yeah it gets a little bit of the judge right there yeah exactly (laughs) i think that I'm, i'm curious would you guys say that um you know in the past there have been a lot of movies that i think a lot of us don't like and many times we even though we don't know the behind the scenes We might think that it's, um, you know, studio tampering, too many reshoots. They didn't really know what it was supposed to be. I'm thinking of something like Suicide Squad. So are the three of us saying right now, this is pretty much the movie I think Ron Howard wanted to make. I think this is what he wanted. That's what he wanted it to be. I think, I mean, it's a double on
1: there. For one thing, it's Ron Howard and Brian Grazer. They've been doing this together for a while. They're not the guys that are taking notes. They give the notes, that kind of thing. So, right. I mean, regardless of if it was Netflix or not, I feel like they're making the movie they want to without any tampering. That said, it is Netflix, which isn't giving any notes to begin with. So it's like there's there's freedom all over the place when it comes to these movies, and this one is very much, it, it only double
2: emphasizes what you're saying, that it's the movie that he wanted to make. Right. So it's the kind of thing where, if we're if if we're all kind of mixed on this and we're like yeah it's all right it's not the matter it's it's not a a thing like oh it was it, yeah obviously this wasn't what he what was that movie Aaron I never saw it you said it was so terrible I want to say it's Fast it's like a serial killer movie with a smiling oh, face oh snowman snowman. Yeah, And, like, was that the thing where, like, they didn't even finish the script? Yeah, the, or... the, 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 the week
1: of the release, the director openly said there was 15% of the script we didn't move, we didn't shoot.
2: <laughs> like, like, that's the kind of thing where I'm like, all right, well, yeah, that sounds like a disaster, but, like, okay. Um...
1: And that's a that move that, that is 1 plus 1 equals 14, because it literally doesn't make sense in parts. Like, it, it's just, it, it's impressive that that came out in the theaters the way it did. Uh, wow. <laughs> that was my worst there... movie of that year detective which, harry hole yeah. which I, yeah which i believe with the last year i did worst of lists and that's the, that's the one that's up there.
0: <laughs> it's still up there yeah. <laughs>
1: well it's the lot because i just stopped doing them because it's just too negative at this point so but it's, it's mm-hmm. like that was the last time that i did one and that was the, first, the worst movie that year um but yeah i mean that's the thing with netflix right i mean like next week we're going to talk about mank and that's a movie where i don't today in today's you know hollywood I can't see David Fincher making that anywhere else except Netflix because of exactly what's happening in there, which you guys will see, because it's not a studio, glossy film. It's not. It doesn't take a traditional arc in any way. It doesn't have the kind of. I mean, it's a black and white movie starring Gary Oldman as the guy that wrote Citizen Kane. That's a weird.
2: That's a weird sell to Warner Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 is Mank? Um, I mean, it's David Fincher. I can't imagine, and I want to get too much of a tangent, but i'm assuming it looks great so i'm assuming it's an expensive movie i
1: i mean yeah they did you know gary oldman looks his age that they didn't have to irishman it up but i mean <laughs> oh that's kind did think of that but yeah i mean yeah I think, I think it's like a 50 60 million dollar movie but i mean it's not we'll talk about that nor another week but yes i mean yeah. bike what i'm saying is <laughs> this is a movie that I, could, you know even if it wasn't netflix it just feels like this kind of studio-ish film that had no, you know, reason to be anything but a Ron Howard movie, except it just doesn't work this time. And you, and you, and we'll grab, move on because I know we're just kind of talking around certain things. But if you want to talk about movies that would have come out in the night, like this being a movie that could have come out in, like in an earlier time and been better received, I, I mean, for one thing, you just can't Maybe. make that argument because that's a different time. It doesn't matter if it came out in that time. What matters yeah, yeah. is when it, it came in now. But with that said, this and like we, t- we just mentioned, the Judge Abe. I mean, that's another one that's like this as far as being a bad version of telling you a story about a different t- place in America. Sure. It's it's not about the time that it comes out in because it's it's about those movies from that time reflecting on what comes later, right? And part of the reason why we're seeing this or Judge or other movies that are not successful, part of the the problem is we've moved on from that. We've we've seen yeah. these types of stories be told effectively and sometimes not. And we're seeing movies now that have the lessons, just like those movies then had lessons from the movies before them. So it's like, it doesn't help that this movie's not done very well, but also you're just cashing in on the same stuff that kind of worked, if not did work back then. So you can't just keep getting away with that same thing over and over again. Which is,
0: yeah, which is kind of like the the point that, you know, some people have made uh, too, of just like, yeah, this is like a white person redemption story. And I'm not saying that as like a broadly speaking like you know pejorative thing just more like we've seen a lot of these stories before you know what i mean and what is it adding that, to the
1: conversation was that what is it adding to the conversation
0: yeah exactly like what does it add because other than that like you know each one of us have named way better movies than this movie mm-hmm. that will talk about the french society hill people uh, and their their lives um appalachia and they're all recent movies these are all from and the last all, like three yeah, four all, years they're, exactly they're, and maybe in like the last decade but it's like you know, for the most part, you know, when you get a movie like this and I haven't seen The Glass Castle from Jenna Walls. I read the, I read her book, nah, which is a good is. book. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like I, I just don't I, I think this is like why, you know, it's it's important to have like different types of writers or different types of folks uh, represented on the screen because those are much more interesting. And I think that they're not not to say like much more, but like they are more interesting because. They're from a place of a lot more intense struggle, and I think that given the right uh, the right folks to make these types of movies, whether it's like a Lulu Wang or some, something else, Barry Jenkins kind of thing, now they're a power couple. But it's like, uh, given all that stuff, you would get a much more engrossing movie.
1: Well, part of it's mean, just, it's refreshing. That's the other thing. We've seen so many of these movies. So yes, when you do get a farewell or what have you, it's not just that it's good it's that you don't see that all the time you don't see you don't see the latest you know story of an english king that had to overcome some adversity like it's just it's it's something different out the gate now that with that i mean we have named other movies that are you know like redemption stories or you want to phrase it however you want to like things of similar natures they're done better. It's not because it's not because like yeah. it's not because of the person specifically. It's just because they're a better movie. I'm all for a movie about a- the Appalachian society. I'd like to see yeah, one that here. really delves into that and gets into the nitty gritty and give me reasons to why it exists and what's going on and who these people are, or what have you. And it's not like they're mysterious people. They're Americans. I get it. But course, if there's a yeah. if there's a good version of that, I'm I'm happy to watch that and and enjoy it or take in the the knowledge that I'm supposed to get from it. It's just the issue here. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't know why we're working so hard to give this a middling review, but
2: it's just not that good. Like, it could be better. Right. There you go. It's, I mean, it is – I mean, the last thing I just – the last movie I would think of to compare – again, not a perfect comparison, but, like, when I'm thinking of a director and the source material is um, – what is it? Destil Daniel Cretin? Cretin? Yeah. Yeah. He did – he – before he did Short Term 12, I think he actually was – a person, one of the counselors. Like, I think that yes. actually, yeah, it's I based think... on experience, as I recall. Right. Yeah. And it's like, and that's a great movie. Like, that's and that, I, I think everyone's fantastic in that. I think it like, it feels like it knows what it's talking about. Um, mm-hmm. And it's funny because he actually did do the glass castle, which I never saw. Sounds like you're saying it's not. I saw it and it's, I haven't great. seen it. Yeah, I haven't. It. It's, it's, is... it's not great. <laughs> like, do you like short term? 12?
1: I think short term is yeah, great. Short term 12. Yeah. Oh, okay. what's he doing next? What Shang-Chi?
2: The Marvel. Yeah, well, yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um. But yeah, I mean, again, that that just makes me think of like a person knowing the material, and, or really suited well. Mm-hmm. Uh, material. Because I, I forgot also, uh, Ron Howard did the race car one. Um, Rush. Rush. Yeah, that's good too.
1: Like There's plenty, plenty of good Ron Howard. There's also a lot of middling and bad Ron Howard. I mean, this is a whole different debate as far as what di- directors should do. What, like, I know this even was a story recently, right? Ron Howard was attached to a story about a, was it a Chinese immigrant or something along those lines, right? And then, was it Lulu Wang that called him out on this thing? It's like, why is he directing this story? I was mean, it ron howard or... yeah, I, it was ron, I, yeah it was ron howard. Right it was Ron. Yeah. I, I can't remember the story specifically I, I i apologize but i know there was a situation where ron howard was recently attached to a film that involved i believe because it, it was lulu long so i've seen that's yeah, part yeah, of the yeah. reason why but like and it's but like there's again that's a different debate as far as directors should only do this or that i don't think that's necessarily the case but i do think it's a matter of when you have a director that has the opportunity to do any story he wants to let alone shepherd others into doing those stories it would be neat to see either them, you know, passing along these things to young proteges yeah. or what have you or. Yeah, totally. Or, you know, working on projects that seem kind of, you know, more in line with certain values or what have you. well while, 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 while ushering the opportunity for others to tell these kinds of stories. Right.
0: And I, and I definitely want to, you know, just add on that that story wasn't that Lulu Wang felt as though like, well, Ron Howard's a major white guy director. He shouldn't be directing this. I think that her her criticism was largely based around like there's a lot of nuance in Asian chinese-american storytelling like that, the way that, that
1: he that, can't bring out like, in his that he that, can't
0: yeah like hmm. there's there's gonna be like a lot of ticks and th- we talked about this with mulan too with michael where it's like yeah there's like you know asian people don't have don't have curly hair kind of thing and like all this other stuff where it's like yeah i don't know what happened here but there was just like kind of like some misses uh, of some traditional well, that was the issue, of
1: that was issue with mulan, right like it, it it had a cast full of asian of Asian actors which is like okay cool yeah. you're seeing a lot of that representation on screen but behind the scene was like like four, right. four white writers and a, stri- a New Zealander and a, a New Zealander as a director white right. producers white everything so it's like again it's not that it's inherently bad for one per- one group to do another group's thing but it's like where is that information going to come from and how are you going to inform that story if
2: you don't have certain people involved <laughs> right, right right I do think that um I no, I 100% agree on everything you're saying i do think that sometimes in it does seem like when these kind of stories get brought up there are ones where i feel like i love the joke i i I love the joke and i thought it was great that um what is it ryan gosling and um emma stone kind of made fun of themselves doesn't didn't he make fun of themselves on snl being like i i saved jazz or whatever yeah yeah right the fact is like damien chazelle he is a white guy that went to music school and does know a lot about jazz. Like I'm like, yeah, that makes that guy does know. He knows what he's talking about from a Caucasian person. Whiplash and stuff. So I feel like, yeah, that's exactly the material he should be doing. You know?
1: And And I mean, that's the kind of thing where you boil movies down to certain things and you lose the message of the film where it's like, I didn't watch La and to think, well, that was a movie about Ryan Gosling saving Jazz. But then it becomes right, the head, right, but then it becomes so, like the, yeah. the, it comes the easy headline where people are like, well, right. "I hate this movie because it's about Ryan, you know, a white guy saving Jazz." It's like, what movie did you watch where you think that's what the message was? Like, I don't understand. Where that yeah, comes right, from. Right, right. <laughs> but this is this is we're getting we're getting off topic at this point. All right, all right, let's get back to *Hillbilly LG and we can wrap up here. Um, any? I feel like we have any other thoughts. When when should people go and see this movie?
2: Uh, it's on Netflix now, Peter, should people stream it right away or should they put it in their queue or what? I mean, sure. You know, strangely, I think that it's so different because we're not talking about paying $20 in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. I feel like if it's the kind of movie that you're interested in and you like the cast, I would say, strangely, I think you should watch it right away because I don't think this is the movie that, um, a kind of movie that is going to last. So I feel like if you want to watch it, be in the conversation, talk about it with your family during the holidays, or when I'm like, yeah, watch it now. Because I don't think three years from now, it's going to be... Remember that classic hillbilly elegy? Like, I don't think that's going to happen. See, we trade in our some kind of, like, patented
1: two-thumbs-up catchphrase in favor of these kinds of responses. And I like it, Abe. I, I like how we stuck with this over the
0: years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've given, like, 16 replies to, like, how I grade these movies now. So, basically, on on our old scale, uh, this would be a TV movie. And then on our new scale, oh. should you put it in queue or or what have you it's like i don't think you necessarily need to run out and see this like at all i don't think it's that good of a movie you're not going to gain anything from it
2: no i'm just mean there no, are no, people no, that's who what are i going to be there are going to people who are going to be interested because of the subject matter or they like amy adams they're gonna be like oh, i want to check that out so i'm like yeah all right well go ahead yeah, check mean, it he's out
1: not, he's not you know. debating you he's giving his own rating <laughs> I
2: <understand> oh, okay <laughs> <laughs>
1: and I, I mean i agree with you to an extent peter i do think i don't think you need to race out and see it right away but i do think if you put it in the queue and be like oh yeah that's that ron howard movie there's something there as far as yeah we can watch these actors be good at their acting or what have you we didn't talk too much about the actors actually come to think of it but i think we there's not if much else to say beyond yeah exactly so, yeah. but i mean like glenn close is good in this movie but regardless right. but yeah i mean i i agree as far as you or at least I'm somewhere in the middle where you can put it on the queue. I wouldn't say like, watch it this weekend right away. It, you know, if it's a movie you feel like having a conversation about, then check it out eventually. But it's not one where I'm like, yeah, you know, it's on, it's on the front page of Netflix. Better watch it right this second. That's not where I'm at right now.
2: I wonder if it is, it in the top 10 of Netflix? I wonder I'm if sure it's,
1: like, it is. A or I'm, something I'm, like that. I'm sure it is. It right. just came out. Like it's, you know, right. The, the, the Rotten Tomatoes audience score is quite high as Mark Hoban likes to point out. So how,
0: how many people voted on that? <laughs>
1: It's increased now. It's at like oh. two hundred something. Okay. Last time I saw
0: it, it was like eight people who gave it like a ninety, and I was like, okay, all right.
1: Yeah, I mean it's you know it's higher by default now. So yeah. Uh, six nineteen at eighty-two percent. Okay. It's just a little, is on the for a rotten tomato score. It's on the lower side when it comes to audience. It's like it's like that cinema score curve that you have to apply to it. <laughs> is it, this is a B plus? Like eighty two. Yeah, probably it'd probably be like a B plus eight cinema score, I'd guess, yeah. something like that. But you never know. Anyway, we don't need to dwell on that. Let's move on. Let's um, <laughs> that was our review <laughs> for Hillbilly Elegy and a lot of other talk. Um, so now it's time for hey, actually, what uh, what time is it here? Aaron, I
0: think it's time for a quick game here.
1: <laughs> Hans Zimmer, eat your heart out. Exactly. <laughs> That's that's the new iPad that you heard that one on, too. Isn't oh. It? I know, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of good coming out of this thing. Yeah, I was like, it sounds like the old one, but it's new. Yeah, meet the new boss, same thing as the old boss. That's what I say. Um, That was, of course, the improv theme for games, and I have a game for you guys this week. It is called Close the Books. You got to close okay. the books. It is, <laughs> close it, the books. <laughs> it is a tagline game. I'm going to read you taglines from various Glenn Close movies. And you have to guess which ah, okay. movie I'm talking about. So close the books, because okay. we're about to play. Uh, if you feel right, you okay. know the answer, uh, shout it out. Go shout out That's your name. It. Shout out your name first, and then the answer. Cool? Okay. Yep. Cool. Okay, here's the first one. This is an easy one. Robin Williams is Garp. He's got Abe. a funny way of... Abe! Wait, hold
2: on. I I
0: I might have <laughs> rung in too early. Is it Peter... Or, uh, Hook?
1: Peter. Peter?
2: Oh, World According to Garp.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. Robin I, Williams I, is Garp. He's yep, got a yep, funny yep, yep, way yep. of looking at life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I rung in right when you said Garp, and I was like, I, and now I just screwed myself because I didn't hear what he said.
1: Mm-hmm. Here's the next one. Behind any great man, there's always a greater woman.
0: Oh, wait, what is that? Oh, um, Abe. Abe? It's, um... It's like it's like the the uh, half the title. Yeah, it's like the essayist or the author.
1: That's so bad. <laughs> okay, all right, that's definitely think. Think, it. think about the key words I'm using oh, behind any great Peter. Is it the wife? The wife. Is there the you questions. go. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: Yeah. All
1: right. I wrote those books. Here's the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Never let the truth. Get in the way of a good story. Oh, Abe. Abe? The paper. It is the paper.
2: Ah, nice. Another that.
1: out now favorite. Another another Ron Howard movie, too. We've gone close. Here's the next one. Nice planet, we'll take it. Hmm. Nice planet, we'll take it. With Glenn Close? This is a 90s movie. Mm. It is another director that's been around for a while now. Uh, Abe? Abe? Mars Attacks? Mars Attacks is the correct Ah. answer. Here's the next one. So many dogs, so little time. Abe? Abe? Abe?
0: 101 Dalmatians.
1: It is 101 Dalmatians. Here comes the next one. Okay. The most important man, the surest airplane, the most dangerous hijackers. The most important? I thought thought this was a gimme, but okay. Wait, what was it? Wait, wait, The most most important man, the surest Uh airplane, the most dangerous hijackers.
0: Huh. I didn't know that she was in it.
1: I mean, Abe? Yeah. Air Force 1? Yes, Air Force 1. Well, that's she's... what I was going
2: to say too, but I was like is it Air Force 1? Like, okay. Yes.
1: Yeah, she's, I don't know who she plays. She's on the gra- she's a, she's negotiating with them. She's the uh, um, she's the okay. she's the vice president. Uh. Oh, okay. All right. That the every trailer for Air Force 1 I remember is like Harrison Ford, Gary Oldman, and Glenn Close, Air Force <laughs> 1. Like she made she made the trailer. As far there as like go. that narration goes. She's a great agent. Here we go. Here's the next one. I have two here. Just in case you don't get it from the first one. The best there was... That's the tagline? That's one tagline. There's one that's more obvious, but I just wanted to read that see if you get the it from there. The best
0: there was... Um, don't know.
1: With okay, here's, here's the other one. Boyhood dreams, a bat made from a tree struck by lightning... And most
2: importantly, uh, a never-ending passion for the game.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 Peter, you got this one?
2: No, I, I I don't know what this is. Abe. Abe. The natural. It's the natural. Oh my god, I totally forgot she's in that! <laughs> oh <God. laughs> a, a lot of clues in that second one. Yeah. I feel well, like
0: no, a bat I just, made like,
1: from a tree struck by I lightning really good. <laughs> like
0: Well, it's either that or Homer's bat from uh, the Simpsons episode.
1: Yeah, it was probably it was probably not going to be <laughs> the, the yeah. Simpsons episode featuring Daryl Strawberry. That probably wasn't <laughs> the answer to that question. <laughs> Daryl. Here's the next one. Okay. The story of eight old friends searching for something they lost and finding that all they needed was each other. Mm. Oh, Peter. Peter? Uh, big chill. The big chill is the correct answer. Uh-oh. Here's the other tagline, which I thought was a pretty cool tagline. In a cold world, you need your friends to keep you warm. There you go. Should I have read that one first? No. Oh, I thought about it. Okay. Here's the next one Lust, Seduction, Revenge. The Abe. game is you've never seen it played before.
2: Oh. Darn uh, Abe? Hey, Darn. Basic instinct. No. No. Oh, Peter? Peter? Uh, fatal attraction.
1: Incorrect. Wait, what? Uh, Abe. <laughs> Abe? Actually, I don't know. Well. Wait, Aaron, what,
0: what, is wait, it? wait
2: what was it? Lust, what?
1: Lust, seduction, oh no, I got it, Peter. Yeah, yeah.
2: Dangerous liaisons.
1: It's dangerous liaisons. Uh, Yes, yes. Here's the next one. Uh huh. (laughs) What if Peter Pan grew up? (laughs) Oh, there you go. Uh, hook. (laughs) It is, it's hook. Yes. Anyone that's curious who Glenn Close plays in Hook, I'm just not going to talk about it right now. You just go yeah, find it yourself. Yeah, because I
2: wasn't sure who, oh, to, I was she, like, who is she? In?
1: She has super, a weird cameo. Oh, yeah, you, super small cameo. Where, she plays where, you, a weird. Oh, no, 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 no. You know I said? Don't tell them where it's from. Just what? say there's a small cameo in Hook. Fine. Let, the, let them figure it out, Abe. You're not going to be able to figure it out. <laughs> what? No, you just do the research online. That's all I'm saying. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right. It's more fun to watch it and be like, oh, that's, that's who she is. is. Okay, here's two more. Okay. A spotless new tail is going to be unleashed. A spotless.
2: Oh, Peter. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm assuming it's the sequel to 101 Dalmatians. Is it 102 Dalmatians or something? That is correct. Yes. Oh, there you go, Peter.
1: There are three puns in that one. A spotless new tail is going to be unleashed. (laughs) That's clever.
0: They wrote T A I L.
1: Yes you don't get three puns very often in like a seven word sentence so i'm I'm impressed by that (laughs) (laughs) all right the last one you're welcome uh abe abe albert knobs it's not (laughs) okay
2: that shouldn't be funny but it is
0: she's a butler in that movie isn't she
1: there's a much more obvious one but i'm just saying you're welcome you're welcome. Think of how smug that tagline has to be for a movie. Like, what's
2: a movie with attitude? Oh, yeah, totally, Abe. Abe. Guardians of the Galaxy. It is
1: Guardians of the Volume Galaxy. Volume one. Yes.
2: Ah, oh, she's in that. Yeah, right. Which I
1: forgot about too. Which is what because that's my favorite Marvel movie. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. that's right. She was in that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well,
0: guess where she is in that movie. Won't give you any clues on that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> i don't know why albert nobs that made me laugh you're welcome albert Knobs. <laughs> that's funny the butler says you're welcome a lot
1: <laughs> is she a butler or are you just making that up
0: no I, I thought that she was like a female impersonating a male to be a butler
1: i i don't know because i never saw albert nobs is that the okay. plot of the movie she's impersonating a man to be i thought it was a, a transgender thing
0: oh is it okay that's probably it
1: like just to be a butler though that'd be that's that's a lot
0: I don't know. Whoever whoever does know, please. We're so over... off
1: base with whatever this is yeah. right now. Like insulting right in, somebody tell in the us process.
0: How we're wrong, please, <laughs> like so like can, to understand the plot. Yeah, of we Albert need the right Nobbs. information, right, in.
1: <laughs> I'm just because I need to know now. Albert <laughs> Knob struggles to survive in the late 19th century Ireland, where women aren't encouraged to be independent. Posing as a man so she can work as a butler in in Dublin's most elegant hotel, Albert meets a handsome painter and looks to escape the lie that she has been living.
0: There you
1: go. All right, so now I know the plot of Albert Knobs. Yeah. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. That was games. Uh, P- a-, a B you won. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. <laughs> Peter good up. effort. Good effort, Peter. Yeah, I tried. Yeah. <laughs> we all do what we can. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> it took us such a weird twist at the end of this game. All right, let's move on. Let's get to our feedback. Feedback. Be feedback. Be feedback. Be this is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com/slash/podcast. I asked a number of questions to the listeners, and then they gave us answers. And um, yeah, just a few questions there, this yeah, week. Yeah we, yeah, we just got some questions.
0: Uh, what's your favorite Glenn Close performance? Maxwell from the show has "Dangerous Liaisons," and yes, "101 Donations. Chris has obvious choices, but "Dangerous Liaisons" and "Fatal Attraction." What and is
1: what, your, fa- what's your favorite Glenn Close performance?
0: She's pretty good in Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: <laughs> as a Nova Prime.
0: Yeah, Nova Prime. Yeah, that, that's that's yeah,
1: uh, Not that, like, the one that just comes to mind because it's one of my favorite TV shows of all time is The Shield because she's on a season of The Shield when and mm-hmm. it's excellent. I mean, every season. Yeah, season is excellent, I but... think
0: of her with TV as well because one of the first things I think about is The West the Wing close. where she's a, a oh, yeah, West the West West wing. nominee. Because uh-huh.
1: it's also like The Closer.
0: Josh Lyman is gesticulating wildly. That's one of her fav- one of my favorite lines from her.
1: peter do you have any close favorites
2: i mean yeah i feel like i'm being really basic because it's like she is really good in fatal attraction she's, she's not in basic instinct we already went over that no, no, no. <laughs> uh, but you're right. I don't. I can't think of a specific... And I've never seen The Shield. But yes, I heard she and Forrest Whitaker had a season, I think. That cool. on. For, yeah, yeah. Forrest yeah, She
1: comes in for one season. Then Forrest Whitaker comes in. Anthony Anderson has a great season in there where he's huh. the villain. And it's really... Like, that show, there's so many good things about that show. Nice. <laughs> that's, where, that's where Walton Goggins came in. And it's like, oh, Walton Goggins. This guy, I gotta watch. And then he comes out and does more. And it's like, this guy's great. Mm-hmm. The commish is all killing it. <laughs> and it's still it's still a very relevant show like it's like it it's not the the the, the, the happiest depiction of police officers in a tv show it's very much the opposite yeah. uh, anyway next question we have here. what performers do you feel should have won an oscar by now but have not mm-hmm. chris oh. writes chris writes jake gyllenhaal and willem Dafoe. maxwell head ad friend of the show writes ewan mcgregor and amy adams
2: Wait, Amy Adams hasn't won?
1: No, she's been nominated, nominated six, six times, yeah. but she has not won. Wow. Same as Glenn Close, for that matter. That's the part of this question. Both of them have not have been nominated mm-hmm. a bunch, but have not won.
2: The correct answer is Tom Cruise. <laughs> Born on the Fourth of July. Yeah, I got it. Born Magnolia and Rain Man. He was great. Oh enough. yeah, Magnolia. I, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like now I I worry that like. The, it's just he's never going to do those kind of roles anymore. So I hope Peter, you're like the same
0: sizes. Are you Tom Cruise's stunt double in his movies? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's Ben Stiller.
1: Oh, OK. Oh, already, right. Um already oh, yeah. know this.
2: <laughs> um,
1: uh, for whatever reason, my answer, my like the one that comes to mind right away is Ed Harris. He's never won an Oscar? No, he's been nominated twice. I thought that he won for Pollock. No, he yeah, was nominated did, for. Wait, he was, did he at least win? Did he win like? Why are you asking me if he won? won? I'm telling you, he hasn't. Like, I'm telling no. you, this is my answer. Oh, well, I guess,
0: I guess, I, somebody won for Pollock. Was it Marsha Gay Harden? Marsha Gay Harden won for Pollock. Okay, yes. all
1: right. He was okay. nominated for Apollo 13, The Truman Show, Pollock, and The Hours. The Hours is the other one he was nominated
2: for. Mm yeah that is oh that's yeah. right the hours right yeah, yeah.
1: He
0: is. i'm gonna give ed harris a uh,
1: academy award Well, because he's the guy where i i I've, I've said many times he's never given a bad performance in a movie <laughs> like i just is one of those where i just that's one of the the, the defaults that i have for I, that. I think he, like in, in any appearance like whether i'm saying movie, no, yeah. i'm saying yes any movie i think ed harris is always like 100. and
0: tv is what i'm saying too
1: oh for sure yeah. when he's on there mini is
2: he,
0: Mini-series like, like, yeah, like like game Westworld.
1: change <laughs> yeah
0: Exactly. He plays John McCain. <laughs> yeah.
1: He won a, he got want got a gold globe for that one. Know that. Yeah. We'll What's give the one Emmy he instead.
2: instead? He goes head to head with Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Wait Liam Neeson. Interesting. Movie? Is it like Rough Night or One Night or something like that? All nights? Run All Night? Oh, Run All Night? Run Nights, yes. Is yeah. that with Jamie Foxx? No, no, no. No, no, yeah.
1: no, that's 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 one of the uh Zero movies. Yeah. I forgot he. I forgot. I forgot he was in that. But yeah, that's there. You go. There you go. I. Mean, yeah. I, I. I have little memory of Run All Night, a movie that I would definitely seen and wrote one hundred thousand words about. But I'm sure he was probably great in it.
2: Well, he's yeah. That's the kind of movie where, if he's not great in it, we could forgive him. But I was like, actually, I think he is good in that. No, he's always great in it. <laughs> right. Like, uh, a huge reason why I love The Rock so much, it's not only because it's, like, a
1: slam-bait action movie, but he's, like, a really great villain in that movie. He has real he reasons for what he's doing, and he has conviction. Like, it's great.
0: A lot of gray. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm not talking about his beard, either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he just doesn't have a beard in that movie. Um, In any case, uh, Amy Adams is my answer for this question, too. And uh, the other person is Searcher Ronan, but she still has a lot of time.
1: <laughs> yeah, a few years, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of, like, when the Academy is going to give her, like, a, like a, an honorary Oscar for, like, all of her great stuff, when she gets nominated for, like, the role where she she plays. Sobileology, too. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, the next question is, who are some of the great cinematic grandmothers? Uh, Irene has Grandma Tala in Moana, which is a great one. Uh, Catherine Hepburn in On Golden Pond. Any other cinematic grandmothers that you enjoy quite a bit?
1: Uh- I will say Adam Gentry, a friend of the show, added in the late entry Shmi Skywalker.
0: I'm trying to fit, like, where did I learn about her?
1: Phantom Menace is Anthony's okay. mother. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Where right. she's not technically like, a grandmother at that point. She just eventually becomes a grandmother by default, I guess is sure, the sure, yeah. <laughs>
0: But I was like, I can't remember if, like, if I heard of her in the in Part or A New Hope, but I no, think Emily. Yeah, she's only, on, she's know, only, she like, only in Phantom of Menace and then
1: yeah, the Clones. Okay. Yeah. Cinematic grandmothers. Uh, what's it? Uh, 9 Eye.
0: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, in uh, the farewell. Um, cinematic grandmothers. Hmm. Um, Insidious.
1: Uh,
2: oh, uh, Coco, right?
1: Yeah. Coco. Grandma Coco. There's multiple grandmothers. Well, Mul- yeah, like well,
2: that's true. But that I was thinking the main one. But yes, you're right. Yes.
1: Well, you yeah. were wrong, Peter. <laughs> yes, I was wrong. <laughs> Good answers. Uh now I'm thinking of grandfathers. Um grandmothers. Mm-hmm. Um what's her, uh, Angelica Houston and the Royal Town and Bones. Is she a grandmother? Oh yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah. Ben ben Stiller's got Tom Tom Cruise's stunt the last kids in that movie. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. All right. Next question. What are some great films about characters who didn't get too far in life? Hmm. Chris writes train spotting or taxi driver. I'd argue you could probably put T2, Train Spotting 2, in that one as well, as far as characters that didn't get far in life. Hmm. Um and Jeff writes Logan Lucky.
0: Characters who didn't get too far in life? Yeah. Hmm.
1: So like they had the world ahead of them and they did nothing with it. Or very little. Well, you mean they die, or what do you no, mean? No, they just like they they just they had like the world was their oyster, and they didn't end up doing much with it. My, oh, answer, is, my, hmm. my answer is kingpin.
2: Uh, what's his name? Um, is it Tony Manero? Is that Saturday Night Fever? Yeah. Because like, does he really do anything with his life? <laughs> but he's a great dancer. I mean, I does... mean Peter. There's a whole movie about that. It's called Staying Alive. Well, the yeah. Sequel to Saturday Night <laughs> Fever. Yeah. <laughs> <Where> he... <laughs> so yeah, all right, yeah. All right.
1: Um. Yeah.
0: Um. Hmm, that's a good question. I'm gonna say Chucky from Goodwill Hunting.
1: <laughs> He's got that construction job. Because I'm
0: gonna <laughs> wake up and I'm gonna be fifty, and you're sitting on a lottery ticket. You're too scared to cash it in.
1: How about it? Well, how about him again in The Way Back? In wait, who? Which one? Ben Affleck in The Way Back.
0: I haven't seen The Way Back, so I can't do a Ben Affleck impersonation of of him being drunk. But a redeemable basketball coach.
1: You should see that movie. So well,
0: cool. I've heard it's good.
1: It's solid. I can do. I'll see what I can do with you after, after the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the last question is, what are some great movie speeches or monologues that have stuck with you? Irene writes Michael Douglas at the end of The American President. Denzel Washington and Malcolm X giving his speech in Harlem. Oh, yeah. Morgan Freeman and Glory giving his speech the night before the battle. Charlie Chaplin in The Great Dictator. Meryl Streep in *The Devil Wears Prada* in the blue sweater scene.
2: Oh, that's great! great. Yeah, yeah, that seems great.
0: And then Chris writes Samuel L. Jackson in *Pulp Fiction*. I'm gonna guess with the Ezekiel, or is he talking about the end where he's talking about the shepherd?
1: I assume probably the first one, but at the same time, he's just basically just uh, dissecting
2: the Ezekiel speech in the last one. So. Yeah. <laughs> wait, I wait. I don't think the. I'm going to sound really nerdy about Double Wears Prada. I thought the speech is about like a belt. Did he – this person said it's about a sweater? Oh, no, no. She's wearing a blue sweater
0: in the scene. Not, not, she's not talking about the sweater. Abe knows this because he watches the Double Wears have all the time. It. I haven't seen it. I mean I haven't seen it. I'm just going to – I don't know. I'm just backing up my read here.
2: But I think you're, you're right. You're right. I think – the car- yeah okay all right that's what it is because i was I, like i think the i think the genius part of the conversation is it's all about like a belt or something like that that's what's that's why it's a good speech but yeah yes i think technically the sweater is be- okay um hmm, i don't know there i mean there are well, many one one that tends to come to mind right
1: away is alec baldwin and glengarry glenn ross oh of course yeah because yeah,
2: sure. like
1: few supplies i i hadn't i didn't know what this was until i watched it it was years ago at this point, but like the sec, when he's giving this speech, I'm already riveted because it's just great dialogue. But when he pulls out the brass balls just to I'll, show I'll them camera. off, it's and the then, funny, yeah. it's so like, it's such a wild like move to make as far as like, I'm not only giving this speech about how great I am and how, how shit you guys are. Now you better get your act together. I literally carry brass
0: balls. <laughs> and I'm going to show them to you right now. You wonder if he's actually there or if he's just like, you know, some, some creation in all of their minds. It's like how did he? How did he manifest those brass balls?
1: So it, it's like that. That's one that uh, that always uh gets me.
0: I like it. Uh, definitely um uh the president's speech in Independence Day. Bill Pullman. Yep.
2: Easily, of course. Uh, oh uh, wait, what about the architect and Reloaded? There you go. I mean,
0: <laughs> you're not the first that has been trying to get to me.
2: <laughs> um, you're yeah, an anomaly heretofore
0: here vis a
2: vis. <laughs> a will ferrell uh spoof or whatever
0: (laughs) and then i would probably add in hmm, great movie uh the wolf of wall street i'm not going fucking anywhere
1: that is a great Uh, i mean that's that's what should have got leo is oscar that scene so yeah yeah it starts uh, off with like well i'm gonna you know
0: when i just met her she couldn't put two nickels together and then it goes into like they're gonna have to carry me out of here
1: Um, the it gets spoofed now, and I mean, I I like my own impression of it, but the the end of There Will Be Blood is a great scene. Like, there's a reason why I'm spoofed that. It's a a really great speech that he gives about the the milkshake and just taunting Eli. Like, it's very satisfying for a lot of reasons. Super satisfying. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I told you I'd kill you.
0: I'd (laughs) eat you alive.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, radio rahim and do the right thing. That's my last one. I'll stop. There you go. Yeah. When, he, when he's right. like, when he's giving the love and hate speech, and he has the um, the brass Yeah. Double song. yeah. yeah. Well, good, good set of answers, guys. Good, uh, good yeah. feedback here. Good job.
0: Feedback, feedback,
1: Appreciate feedback. it always to all the listeners that that send in their their thoughts and what have you. Um, and with that said, that's gonna do it for this week's episode. Um, the, you can find more of my work at my personal blog, Everything I do ends up over there. But I'm also writing reviews at weliveentertainment.com uh blu-ray reviews over at why and some filmmaker interviews occasionally for a variety and i'm on twitter at aaron's ps4 abe
0: Farm offensive over by instagram uh abe.bua and twitter.com slash walrus moose hashtag fried bologna sandwiches
2: <laughs> peter paris where can people find more of you uh i'm on social media as a uh, pajamo i write i also write for why and I also sometimes um, guest on a television podcast called uh, TV Campfire Podcast. Oh, that's the name of that. Okay. <laughs> all right. All righty.
1: You can find all the other episodes of Out Now with their internet on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, or HHWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com.
0: Send us some love over at facebook.com slash Podcast or tweet us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast.
1: And be sure to go to Instagram.com slash underscore podcast as well to get all the story updates and whatever other random stuff we post on there, including maybe a fried bologna sandwich at this point now. Um, <laughs> Peter Paris, thank you very much for joining us this week.
2: Peter, thank you so much. Yeah. No, I'm um, of course. I'll, I always love being on. Always awesome. fun. Good. Uh, next week. Making me May- blush.
1: <laughs> Next week, Mank is probably going to be the main review. I know Sound of Metal also comes on to Prime, and I do want to talk about that with Abe at some point mm-hmm. as well. So we will see what we do as far as if we have double episodes or just multiple review episodes. Well, we've got a lot of ideas, a lot of I things. I know. Coming. We're in December already too. It's crazy. Yeah, a lot, a lot of movies coming out. So uh, just be prepared to get a lot more content because that's what we do around here. We talk about movies and throw it at you, and you're like, oh my god, there's so many movies to talk about. And We're like, yeah, we did. So anyway. <laughs> With all that in mind, that's going to do it. So until next time, so long, and goodbye.